This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Pivotal Conversations. Now, today's episode is one that I think is going to be quite confronting for some, um, but it's also one that I think a lot of you are going to benefit from, no matter whether you're a business owner or just someone who's listening. Um, I can definitely say that money um, is, a, is a touchy subject, and it's something that uh, we can all have such dynamic relationships with. And today's guest is Terry Condon. Now, Terry's a guy that I met uh, I was well, I was lucky enough to meet uh, roughly about a year ago. So I reached out to my good friend Jaden Post, who um, he's a financial advisor, and I wanted him to do a presentation for everyone in the mastery program. And when I when I reached out to Jaden and we kind of had a bit of a meeting and started putting things together, he goes, "Mate, I've got someone who is perfect for what you for what you want." And Jaden couldn't have been any more right. Um, Terry is a is someone who's from the fitness industry who has a really really great story. You know, I'm not going to go into it too much because he goes into it within the podcast. But he's someone who was the you know, made it to the head strength and conditioning role of the Richmond Football Club. So from those of you who are from the States, that's a, that's an AFL club. And then well, for no other reason than the than um, the reason that he could and um, for another few reasons, and, and one of those was being um, he felt as if he was always going to be a pawn that was moved around and wouldn't have the flexibility in life that he wanted. He went and studied an MBA and that allowed him to learn the language of business, learn the language of money um, and uh, eventuated in him um, getting the flexibility that he wanted in life. And he now runs a business called Cashflow Dojo where they help um, not just business owners but people in general um, overcome their troubles with money from a psychological perspective. Um, They're not financial advisors but they do a really great job at helping people fix their relationship with money and start to get it working for them. So this episode really for anybody um, is going to be a a huge listen Um, and it's it's honestly like I love listening to Terry talk um, especially when it comes to the psychology of money because even me myself um, have gone I've gone through a bit of a transformation with money and my relationship with money very early on in business in my younger days my early 20s you know I, I wasn't great with money at all and it all stemmed back to the relationship I had with it and my belief systems around money and really that's what we dive deep into here we dive deep into um, the impact that coronavirus is having on people psychologically uh, in context of money. We dive deep into how you can overcome um, a negative relationship with money and turn that into a positive relationship with money uh, and, and where to start. Uh, so really, really great episode for business owners, for anyone in general who's um, who, who feels that they have um, some type of problem with money. But even just if you want to learn a little bit about um, the relationships that people can have with money and, and, and the different dynamics that can um, eventuate it's a really cool episode Um, so as always guys if you enjoy the episode um, what I want you to do is I want you to first of all subscribe if you're not subscribed um, to make sure that you can hear more and more um, of our episodes click the subscribe button 
and if this does uh, resonate with you, if you enjoy the episode and you think other people can benefit from it, um, feel free to give it a screenshot, put, post it on your social media and give us a tag. Um, all your support is very much appreciated. Uh, we wouldn't be doing this and, and sticking at it if we didn't get the support we did. Uh, and just before we, we head into this as well, guys, um, at the moment, we're running steel on the walls. We're in our third week of the three-week intensive training. So the feedback we're getting is is that it's really good and it's really resonating with people. And we focus on three main areas, branding, intelligence, and cash flow. And, and really what we focus on is uh, creating your defense in business. Uh, I truly believe that the reason most people don't have the business they want and the progress in their career is because they don't have the stability and the freedom to reach their potential as a coach and as a business owner. And that's what we're really trying to create here. We're trying to teach you your defense that creates stability, which then allows you to have freedom and it allows you to make uncompromised decisions and all in all create better judgment within your business. And really that's how we can gain leverage and really start to make progress. Now, our next intake is May um, May 18th. Um, so, you can register for that now. Um, you head on over to our website, elitevitalitymastery.net. Um, go to the free webinar section and you'll be able to um, register your details. And um, yeah, all in all, guys, if, if you're a business owner, if you want to you know, if you want to make sure that the reason your business wasn't growing before coronavirus isn't the reason that it doesn't grow afterwards, um, I can... Like I can almost tell you that a lot of it to do has to do with defense, but you'll learn a lot more about a lot more about that in the course. Um, and also, it is one hundred and ten percent free. Um, we're just doing this because we believe it's concepts that's going to allow our industry p- to progress, um, especially during this time. So, um, head on over to our website, um, check it out. Uh, the link will be in my bio and Elite Vitality Mastery's bio as well. So head on over there, and um, I hope you enjoy the episode, guys. And I'll see you on the other side. Uh, I am sitting here right now uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. We were hoping to get this done face-to-face and we've actually been trying for quite a while. <laughs> we have. Um, yeah. We've probably been trying for a good three months um, and I think, yeah, you know, we've probably swapped uh, or taken it in turns in kind of cancelling and, and, and whatnot. But um, I think this is, you know, for me being one of the, the exciting things is that, you know, I, I had this big fear around doing podcasts over the internet. Yeah. I think a lot of the stuff we talked about were a little bit deeper um, on the podcast previously. And I was like, Oh, am I going to get this connection? And it was like, you know, this, this kind of story that I'm telling myself. And the best thing about it is now that we can kind of jump on. And especially if you, you know, there's someone that you want to get on from overseas or someone who's, you know, on the other side of town, it's, uh, this is probably the, the biggest benefit of um, for, for me as a podcaster um, or, you know, a business owner, this has been the biggest benefit, but I'm sitting here with uh, Terry Condon and, Terry is someone who we probably got introduced, I would have been a year ago now, I would think. Um, And it was from our mutual friend, Jaden, Jaden Post. And um, initially I hit up Jaden and I was like, oh, we want to do kind of a bit of a presentation on on money and cash flow um, for business owners. Um, And Jaden was like, mate, I've got the perfect guy for you. I've got someone. And and then that's obviously when he introduced us but i'll give you a bit of a, a wrap up and um and then what i'll get you to do is just introduce yourself and um tell the the audience a little bit about you um but you know tez is someone that i've we're very similar um i've found in in kind of our endeavor if that makes sense you know we read a lot of books 
um, it's, it's definitely someone that I can, I love bouncing ideas off and, and love to kind of get in contact with, you know, maybe once a month and go, what book are you reading? What, what are you doing here? But um, Tez is someone who delivered an absolutely amazing uh, presentation in last year in the mastery program that we're running. And uh, the presentation was built around um, personal cash flow and personal finance and um, really like the psychological side and, and really talking about the psychological side of, of um, personal finance and money. Um, and the, the reason that I wanted to get you on so badly is I think it's, it's, it's something that I keep coming across. Um, you know, we, we're dealing, and I even went through it myself at a particular time, but um, it's something that I keep coming across when I speak to a lot of people. Um, and, and not that it's a bad relationship with money. Cause I don't know if the, probably that's the right word, but you see these different relationships with money. Um, but I'll let you take the mic now, Tez, and I'll let you to introduce yourself and, and give them a little bit of a rundown of what your, a little bit about your interesting story. Um, and then, um, we'll, we'll dive deep into the psychology of money. Yep. Thanks mate. Hey, it's a pleasure for me to be on here and, um, I've listened to a, a few of your podcasts and, um, yeah, there's some esteemed company I'm, I'm, uh, following. So, <laughs> so hopefully I, uh, um, I live up to, uh, to their standards. Um, yeah, just, will, a, I guess, um, the context that probably helps for, for the conversation that we'll have is my background is in sport and is in health and, and fitness. And I spent, um, I would say the better part of 15 years, <clears throat> um, in health and fitness and uh and i was very lucky to get involved at a time where um i guess the rise of professional support at that time uh, meant that there was more professions within it and and i was i worked really really hard when i was young and and in university to put myself in a position where um you know i was lucky enough to get an opportunity to work in elite sport uh one week out from handing in my my uh, honors thesis and um i i took that opportunity with both hands loved it um, really, really enjoyed it. And I started at Richmond footy club there and, <clears throat> and spent, uh, the better part of five years, uh, four or five years. Don't quote me on that. Um, at Richmond and, and then went from there, uh, went up to Sydney, uh, went to work for Australian rugby with the Wallabies and the sevens teams up there. And then eventually found myself back at, um, back in Victoria working with Geelong. Um, and then I made a transition and, and moved out of the industry. And um, I guess, you know, the story that you talk about, the, the moment that I talk about when, um, when things changed for me was I started to get a bit of an inkling that uh, the, my career in sport um, was, well, I always knew it was a fickle career in sport, um, but it, it's something that I started to realize there's not a, lot, a whole lot of security in it. Um, and although there's fantastic learning, um, and unbelievable experiences, uh, I started to sort of see that, you know, my life was going to consist of me uprooting every two or three years and then shifting my family around Australia, around the globe. Um, and it's just not what I really wanted from that, from that perspective. Um, and I also came to see that, you know, my skill sets, the things I do well, um, were not necessarily really niche in the sense of um, prescription and things like that. Although I was good at those things, um, I always was looking for more and more responsibility and it's, it's not the kind of career where that happens. It's quite a flat career. So you're either, you're either here or you're here. <laughs> and it's a bit of a power law in sport too. So most people are, um, are working for nothing and a few people are doing really well. And 
nobody really tell you that until you're actually in it. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to do quite well for, for my age, actually very well. Um, but I did see that there was a purple patch in time, um, and that things could change pretty quickly. And, um, there was a moment in my career where I was at Geelong and, um, I had moved from Geelong. I'd, I'd taken a job in rugby up in Sydney. Um, and this was rugby before, uh, the, the situation they're in now. They've actually always been a bit of a basket case financially uh, and they hit the skids, um, about, uh, 16 months into my contract with that, with them there. Um, and the same thing happened. They had to make a whole lot of jobs redundant. And, um, this was the first time, that I'd sort of come up against the idea that it doesn't matter if you do a good job and you work your ass off and you great results. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're a number on somebody's balance sheet. And, um, so, you know, I got a phone call one day up in Sydney and my boss said, look, your job doesn't exist. Um, we just had to cut, you know, a third of our workforce in a day. We needed to find $2 million within the next two months or rugby doesn't exist. Um, and that was the first time I realized that there was this whole other game being played above me. Um, at a level that I didn't understand <clears throat> and I hated the idea of being a pawn in that game and not knowing what was going on. And so that is when I started to upskill myself um, and really try to understand business. I put myself through some private business courses and I started working my way through an MBA um, and I got job offers um, from, from all over actually, from, from rugby league, from rugby union overseas. Um, and then I got a job offer uh, to go and work for Geelong footy club. Um, which it was actually a more of a junior offer than the other opportunities that I got. Um, but speaking with a mentor of mine, he sort of said, look, I know where your future is and I know you want where you want to get to. Um, but if you take this job, you're going to go and you're going to be able to go and understand how they set up a really successful organization and the learning that you'll get from there will pay you dividends in the long run. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, on day one, um, Neil Baum, who's the guy that employed me and is basically my champion in the organization, he left. <laughs> yeah. um, and if anyone's ever worked in sport, you kind of have people that know you and they, they go to bat for you. And if you lose that person, um, anything can happen. Um, so essentially what happened was I kind of got sold on this opportunity down in Geelong and it ended up being something completely different. Um, and there was a day where I realized that oh, this is going to have to change or I'm going to have to figure out something else. Um, and I walked into this meeting, um, and I'd had, a, I'd been sort of called in and there was a group of people around and, and they'd been having a discussion about, you know, changing roles and structure. And that sort of happens a fair bit in sport. Um, but this one was, was, this one was about my role and this, the change was significant for me. It was, um, it actually took me backwards a, f a fair way. It, it, it meant that I was doing things that I'd done almost 10 years earlier. And I was like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like you'd be paying me this and making me <laughs> doing this. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I had a chat about that, um, with my manager and said, look, this is, this is really not what I was sold. Um, and so we tried to work our way out of that, um, and, and, you know, see how we could move things over the next course of the next year. And it was just really obvious that, um, yeah, there was nowhere to go. Basically it was either do the same thing and be happy with that. Um, or, um, you know, figure out something else. And, and I'd realized at that point that, um, you know, I was, I was kind of heading that way anyway. So it was more of a rip the bandaid off type moment, but there was a real moment uh, when I walked into that meeting where I realized, um, you know, I needed to change the way I looked at things and this is where money came into it for me. So I knew when I was up in Sydney that, you know, my career and the career in sport is a fickle career with a lack of security. 
Um, and I knew that managing your money well was important, but money was an area of my life that, um, I was frankly shit scared of. Um, and so I'd sort of pushed it into the back burner and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners that are listening and, and I, I can remember when I, where I was in that place and I was so focused and anything I was, I was absolutely shit scared that if I took my focus off, if I took my off the ball, if I took my eye off the ball for one second, uh, that everything would fall to pieces because it's such a competitive career and um, there's so much pressure involved and you want to be the best. Um, and, and I think the health and fitness industry attracts that type of person, a real someone who really wants to go after it, you know, and that's where I was. And it's really think, interesting you say that Tez. Um, I've been playing with this idea that I think a lot of, um, a lot of us in the fitness industry do what we do for recognition. Um, and that's a big driver. Like everybody wants like, you know, uh, like we work with a lot of business owners and I think like what we're seeing is that, you know, a lot of business owners are, are making the choices that they're making because of that recognition factor. But I think when you're chasing recognition, you're leaving yourself open for this kind of to be almost um, for some, you're leaving yourself vulnerable, right? Because you're focusing so much on getting recognized that you're not focusing on, on your own backyard. You know, you're leaving yourself open on some of the things that are probably really going to get you the success that you're looking for, uh, or at least give you the freedom that's going to get you that success and allow you, allow you to chase it with, um, with no compromise or, you know, without any uh, stress in your life. So Mm. It's interesting you say that. Yeah, and I don't think ambition's bad, but blind ambition really can hurt you. And um, you know, if you're in a place where you you're telling yourself the story like I was, which is I, I just don't worry about the money thing; that will take care of itself. Mm. Um, it, it won't work um, because, like I said, I was actually doing quite well in my career, and I'm not going to say that I didn't have any savings or I, I couldn't manage it at all. I just knew that I could have been better. I could have been put put myself in a better position. So when I got called into that meeting you know, I wasn't in a place financially where I felt secure enough to say no, pretty much. Um, that's what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do was say, no, go and find somebody else to do this job. You can pay someone half what you're paying me to do it. Um, and I'll go figure something else out. But as I say, financially, I was, um, I didn't feel like I was in a, a good enough place. And that was a moment where I realized that that ignorance was really costing me choice and agency and control in my life. And I didn't want to be in that place anymore. Cause I realized if I didn't figure the money thing out, I was forever going to be controlled by people who are going to be pushing decisions at me like that. Um, and I wouldn't have any choice to, 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 to sort of, I guess, carve my own path. Um, and that's when things started to change for me. And, um, you know, I applied all that obsession and all that focus. I, I started to apply it towards trying to figure out, um, the money puzzle, um, the money, the money mystery basically. And, um, you know, that sent me down on a completely different path that, um, taught me a lot about how the world works basically because money's the game that we all play. Um, I, I laugh now at people that say what I used to say, which is I'm just not a money person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, look, we're all money people. You use it every day. It means you're a money person. <laughs> money is the one story the whole world agrees on. And if you don't know how money works, you don't know how the world works. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're on the back burner um, for the whole time. And that's what I realized at the time. Like, I, I got to figure out this game. And, um, you know, you can probably, you might be able to see all those books behind me, but I read a lot of books really trying to understand this thing. And, um, intellectually, I started to put these puzzle pieces together and started to make a lot of sense to me. Um, and things, 
things started to, to look different to me and, and that was fine. That was great. But my behavior hasn't, didn't change that much. And, um, and I realized at one point that I'd been missing a really important piece of the puzzle, um, which was the me part, how, how I was with money. I'd just been focusing on um, how money works and the result that I wanted. And I'd be completely neglecting the role that I had to play in the process. Um, and I always use this analogy. It's, it's sort of like looking, it's just, it's just like looking at the solution of the equation and one variable and ignoring all the rest. <laughs> and um, so I realized I had to go down this whole nother learning journey and really try to understand the psychology side of money. And, you know, thankfully I understood psychology relatively well um, because it was something that I focused on a lot in, in, in my job uh, as a coach in sport. Um, actually, I, I spent most of my time focusing on psychology. Um, so I had a little bit of a background for that. And then I started to think about how that would apply with money because as you would know, I mean, you get right into the neuroscience side of things, but you know, the feeling part of your brain is actually where we make decisions from. And then we justify it with the thinking part. So yeah, you can, you can build the thinking part as much as you like, but if you're not addressing the, the feeling part, it doesn't matter. Um, cause we're reacting all the time with money instead of consciously choosing. And once I started to understand this and understand the stories that I'd told myself about money, understand um, the job that I'd given money on an unconscious level, um, it now started to make sense why I wasn't doing what I could have been doing. Um, and that's when everything changed for me. That's when I started to really understand how to make my money work for me, build it in such a way um, that I could then start to put it to work, um, get invested, start building a passive income. And it was ultimately that passive income, um, the idea that, I'd bought back time and I could make money. My money was making money without my effort. That's what made me feel secure enough to then um, make that big change, um, step sideways, step out of sport, um, and then just move off into the next adventure basically. For sure. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really, really, it's a really interesting story. Um, but I think more than anything, I think like, you know, we, we're often like, I was talking about this with a guy from the States the other day. We were doing a podcast, Austin current and we're talking about the this pursuit of fulfillment um and 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 achievement if that makes sense and and and, you know obviously i've like you said i dive deep into the the neuroscience kind of psychology side of of uh really that that exact topic like that's the thing that really i love learning about but i think what i'm starting to see and it seems to be arising is that there's a and I don't know, I think it's a, a nervous system thing, right? But I think it's like there, there needs to be a stability for you to truly be able to do your best you do and your best work when that becomes a journey of mastery and a journey of um, flow where you're, mm. you know, there's this, it's almost like a goalless endeavor, Um in order to get into that state. And I feel like that's that, that's what brings people the most fulfillment. The only way to actually get into that state is to actually create that stability. And, um, a lot of that comes from money, right? Like if, mm. if, if I'm not in, and, and this is more from a business owner's perspective, if, if I'm not in the position as a business owner to, you know, uh, an example of this might be, you know, from a personal trainer's perspective, you know, what to, to maybe push a client away or, or tell them to go see someone who probably suits them a little bit better or to cap where, you know, the amount of hours you want to work per week so that you can start working on a project that something outside of the, you know, the 
day-to-day craft that you've done you know maybe it's writing a certain ebook or maybe it's building a course or working on some concepts or you know really diving deep into some study you know i think the one thing that holds most people back is that stability right yeah. that ability to resist force um mm. and then you know obviously a big part of that is the money side of it and i think you know i can honestly say that you know one thing that we're seeing is that everybody's trying to fix financial problems with things such as marketing. Like everybody's yeah. like, you know, the one thing that, you know, what's, what's your biggest problem right now? I don't have leads. Right? <laughs> you dive into this and it's like, you, you know, you find out you've got no money in the bank, you know, they're, they're working week to week and you can just see the stress coming out of their head. Yeah. Um, and I think like that's, that's a, you know, when you kind of talk about your story, um, it almost kind of resonates on a, on a different scale, a bit of a different situation. But, you know, I, I tie it back to these guys and I'm like, you know, they're, they're putting in the, they're, they're working hard. Like they don't lack passion. They don't lack knowledge a lot of the time, mm. um, especially when it comes to their craft, you know, they work really, really hard, but you know, they're not really seeing, they're not really getting anything or there's nothing to show for it at the end. And they're still under the, they're, they're still stressed. They're still frustrated and they still have that, 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 um, they're still very tired um, mm. and nothing really changes for them. Um, yeah. And I think money plays a massive role in that. Yeah. Well, it's really important to understand opportunity cost. Um, so as the example you just gave, right. And if I'm financially insecure and I feel like I have to take on every, every person that comes to me, the person that I take on comes at the cost of the other person who I would have worked with much better. Um, I would have got much better results for that person. They would have raved to their friends about me. Um, they would have, Got, got me more people like them um, and I would have grown much faster. But because I'm financially insecure and I took that person who I know is not going to follow my program, I know they're going to whinge and point fingers at me when they don't get their results. That's ultimately costing me. Mm. Um, so it's really important to understand that where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you are applying your talent, these are all investing decisions um, people don't think they're investors, but you invest your time every minute of the day. It's just whether your time's well invested or not. Um, and when you start to see how these concepts from, um, from finance and from money start to apply in your life, um, it really does help you make better decisions. Yeah, hundred percent. I want to dive deep into what you said before the, um, and it's the thing that we hear quite often that I'm not good with money or, you know, I'm not a money person. Um, and, and even something that I hear a lot is that, you know, I, I get on the phone to people and, and and I'm like, what's the primary goal of running a business, right? And, and the, the primary goal is you need to make money. Like it's making money. You know, how you make that money is what probably is going to fulfill you. That's your passion. I get it. But, you know, something that I hear quite often is like, you know, I don't really, you know, I'm not really too worried about the money. You know, I just want to, I want to have, um, you know, I want to have, a, I want to have a lot of clients and I really want to start to make an impact. But I want to break down the psychology of that with you because I know that you've obviously got a, a a great knowledge on that and and what does that actually mean and and you know what's the what what is the kind of the root to that uh answer if that's if that's the kind of um or what is the the psychology behind that answer you want to write the right what's underneath it all yeah what's underneath it yeah. all? It, it's a false choice and the choice is you can either have money or be evil or not have it and be good that's at the core of that that people that say that that's what's underneath that language. Um, so when somebody says something like, Oh, money is not important. Um, basically they're saying I'd rather buy status than money because I'm, it's more important to me that I'm a good person than it is that I actually achieve my goals and, ha- and help people and contribute at a higher level. Um, 
it's a false choice. Uh, it's something that is conditioned into us from, um, from things like religion. Um, it's perpetuated all the way through um, art, a lot of art, sort of same sort of thing. Um, and, and ultimately it comes from a place of um, ignorance and fear. How does someone, especially with what, what there's a there's a kind of a, a quote that I seen earlier on in the week, and it was, "How can you turn today's pain into the education um, to make sure that you know you're not making the same mistakes over and over again?" And I think like right now, obviously with the coronavirus, and and you know obviously it's affecting a lot of businesses out there. Um, you know, and, and you know, there's a lot of gyms shut down. There's, you know, I think uh, clinicians are still able to work, but there's a lot of restriction on that. And I think, you know, in my opinion, what it's done is it's really brought a lot of the whole to the surface. You know, it's it's what we were getting away with um, for a, a good amount of time. Um, and I, I kind of was, I was diving deep in, I, I watched some of Ray Dalio's stuff and um, during, during the week and he made a really good kind of thing. But also looking at something like the, you know, we were kind of looking into the short debt cycle um, and, you know, how it, you know, usually occurs every eight to 10 years. But obviously there's going to be people um, right now that are, are really struggling, right? And and how do they turn the pain that they're feeling right now into, you know, the education that's going to make sure that they don't go through something like this again? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as you say that, I, I love that Carl Jung quote, which is, um, until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll always direct your life and you'll call it fate. Um, so as you kind of alluded to, you'll, you'll just continue to repeat these patterns. Um, so really what you're trying to do is you, you really dig down and understand those, understand those stories. Um, because it's those stories that are creating the visceral response in your body. Um, that's causing the feeling brain to hijack the thinking brain. Um, and, and this is really common. Um, and I really, I, re- I really want to make this point. If you feel dumb when it comes to money, I promise you, you're not dumb. What's happened is your limbic systems hijacked your neocortex and it is impossible for you to think clearly. You are not dumb. <laughs> so I know this well, because this is me. This was me. Um, if when somebody starts talking about money, your brain goes into a kind of fog and someone starts to try to explain something to you and you just, it just kind of washes over you and you can't think clearly about it. Um, that's actually trauma in your body. That's trauma in your body that's being triggered, um, that's sending your brain into overdrive. Um, and all the blood is rushing from the thinking part of your brain and it's going into um, the parts of your body that deal with safety and survival. So you're not dumb. Um, actually, you probably figured out some really highly complex things in your career that are much, much harder to figure out than money because the truth is, and this is the God honest truth, you only need to know fifth or sixth grade maths to make very important, very um, smart and astute decisions with money. And that goes from um, right down at the most basic level to right up to the top, you know, with hedge fund managers, the Warren Buffetts of the world, really, they're dealing with quite rudimental math. Um, the situations they're thinking about are complex, but the math's very simple. Um, so I think what happens, what tends to happen is, we have all these memories about money that comes with conflict. You know, we see people fighting around money. We make a meaning from that as a child, which is money is dangerous. And then, um, you know, to make it even worse, um, money comes with it and is associated with the idea of mathematics. And we know from research that Australia in particular is one of the worst in the world at teaching math. 
Um, so I know for myself, I got left behind in math at about uh, year seven, I think. And after that, I don't know what the fuck I learned. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I told myself that I was no good at math instead of understanding. I actually had a shit teacher and it was in a shit system. And so you can tell yourself that story for the rest of your life, or you can take responsibility, um, and start to uh, move forward. Um, understand where those feelings come from first and then start to move forward, take the pressure off yourself. Um, and as I say, um, it's funny enough, like about six months ago, I was actually teaching corporate finance, believe it or not, to, um, to, a, to a bunch of execs um, at a, at a mid, middle management level. And um, never would I've seen myself doing that four or five years ago, but I'm teaching corporate finance. I'm showing them how the balance sheet works, all this sort of stuff. And, um, and, I made the, and I made that comment. I said, look, the truth is you only need to know really basic maths for this. Um, and, an, and a commodities trader or sort of an energy futures trader put, his up, put up his hand. And this guy's a really smart cookie. Um, and I thought, oh, I think I've offended him here. Maybe he's going to um, take me to task. He said, yeah, that's 100% right. He said, um, my dad's actually been a CEO, uh, CFO, which is um, chief financial officer of, um, you know, multiple multinational companies and he barely knows math. <laughs> um, he really doesn't. He just understands how all these things work together. Um, it, it, but it's, yeah, it's like really basic math. And so to answer your question in a short way, we've got all these, we've got all this trauma from our past associated with money. Um, and then we bring to that all this insecurity that comes with the idea of numbers and mathematics. And um, as I say, we're, we're not taught that well here in, in Australia generally. Um, and all that sort of combines um, to create a lot of stress um, and causes us to almost shut down neurologically. How does so, because uh, I know, like, in all honesty, um, I, and I think a lot of it comes from the story we tell ourselves. Like, I, I remember for so long, I always just told myself that, <laughs> and this is when I was a little bit younger, but I always told myself that I was never taught about money. You know, I was never taught money and I almost used, I wore that as a badge of honor and I was like, you know what, like, and I always, and especially as a business owner early on, you know, I thought, and I, I played this card and I was like, well, I don't really know too much about money, but I know, you know, and I started chasing business growth and, and what ended up happening was over time that my business was growing, but my bank account wasn't. And, and I always had to work, like I was forced to work. Um, and, and I was, and I, I seen this, this kind of problem in my business where, um, you know, no matter how much money I earn, um, I never had anything to show for it. Uh, and so for somebody who does feel like they struggle with money, for somebody who, you know, feels like they're, they're putting in a lot of work and they're actually seeing growth in their business, but for some reason they can't overcome um, this problem where, um, you know, they're obviously spending a little bit too much or, um, they're, again, they're having that, that kind of uh, subconscious reaction that, you know, um, and, and don't really know where to start. What, what, what's your opinion on kind of, even from a psychological perspective, what are, you, what, what are the steps that you kind of have to take to better your relationship with money? Yeah, well, I think you really have to understand um, that you can never earn yourself out of your money problem. You got to understand that from, from day one because, you know, I've worked with a lot of really, really high income earners who spend everything they had and um, they're no closer um, to their financial goals and somebody who earns a hundred thousand dollars and spends all that money as well. Um, so you got to get over that idea that you're going to out earn your money problems and you need to have, um, simple systems and structures in place, um, to make sure that all your money moves work well. Um, so in our business, we talk about four money moves, right? You need to supercharge your savings, 
And that's the first core part of your financial defense. And as you say, every good offense is because of a good defense. And it's the truth. Um, If you understand that financial defense and you build that as a foundation, then what you're going to find is you will stack money. You will, it will happen over time and it doesn't matter what you're earning. You're just building that habit. Even if it's a dollar, $10 a month, whatever it is, doesn't matter. You're building that habit over time. And as your income starts to increase, you can stack more money. Um, And then you move from supercharging your savings to thinking about how do you maximize your earning potential? And that's where you start to really think about what problem am I solving? At what level am I solving it? How many people do I solve it for? And how much does it hurt if it's not solved? Um, Because the truth is, if you want to make more money, you've got to solve a more complex problem and you've got to solve it better than other people. And so that's where that whole kind of mastery thing comes in as well. Um, And then you've got to think about how to make that money grow for you, which is the third money move. and that's all about understanding how money can make money, um, how you can rent your money out to create income, how you can rent your money out and it can grow. Um, and I promise this stuff's not as uh, complex as it seems. Um, you know, the whole financial services industry loves to give it fancy names, um, but really it's basic stuff. Um, it's just different places you can put your money to put it to work for you and really just understanding uh, what works for you, what works with your risk tolerance, which is just an idea for how, how comfortable are you with handing your money over to, uh, to other people um, and having them do things with it. Um, and then you've got your avoid catastrophe, yeah? So um, that's about making sure that um, you can protect yourself. You've got enough money put aside to handle some sort of um, emergency um, or you're taking out insurance to cover the emergencies that you can't cover. Um, you know, so it might be uh, you break a leg and you lose income for six months. Um, you know, you might not be able to handle that and you should have insurance for it. So you're just, you're just looking at those four moves. So, you know, supercharge your savings, financial defense, maximize your earnings, financial offense, grow your money, financial offense, avoid disaster, financial defense. And you have to have this good balance of two. And if you think about it, what you're trying to do, like any good game plan is you're trying to think about now. What do I need to do right now to position myself to succeed? And also you're trying to think about the future. How do I need to position myself in the future? Because if I'm, if I'm focusing on now, I'm focusing on two things. I'm focusing on the supercharge my savings move and the maximize my earning move. But if I'm focusing on the future, I'm thinking about the grow my money move and the avoid disaster move. So you can see how we're thinking offense, defense, past and um, future and present. Um, and it's really as simple as that. And having systems and structures and plans that you're executing for each is actually the difference between people, um, you know, that do get ahead and, and those that don't basically just like, just like a, um, just like a physical preparation plan. Yeah. hundred percent. I think um, that's really interesting. I haven't heard that before. I know for me, I think the thing that you said that is probably, and, and even like I, I look back at, you know, even when we're talking about investing, right. And, and, and kind of investing your money and renting your money out to make money. You know, if you had asked me about that a year and a half ago or two years ago, I would have been one of those people that said, Mate, like, honestly, I know nothing about it. Like, you know, and it's, that's the answer you get. It's like, I know nothing about it, but I think it's really interesting. And, and the thing that I love the most is, um, just the concept of getting my money to make me money and getting my money to work for me. Like, I think it's changed the way I, I look at money. Um, and I think like, obviously there's a, there's, there's a lot of different um, circumstances out there or a lot of different kind of um, situations that people are in and, and kind of psychologies behind 
and it all you're you can you're over saving or you know you're, you're scared to invest or you know you struggle saving money mm. um but i think like the you know for me the first move was just sitting down and, and actually spending time with my money and, and and getting to understand it and i know that's one thing that um I know you're big on that too, like financial literacy and, and kind of just spending more time with your money is almost like a superpower. Mm. Um, like I think the the toughest thing is actually taking the time to do that. And and usually we tell ourselves that we're too busy, right? Like I knew for, I know for so long and, and you almost mentioned it before where you were kind of talking about, you know, especially if you're a business owner and a lot of these guys that are listening are business owners, it's like when you're a business owner, you, you know, you, you think that your job is to operate and grow the business, especially as a, as a sole trader. And a lot of that means that I uh, will, you know, the, my priority is to get my clients results and it's to grow the business. Um, and, and that means, you know, especially when you have to do all the sales, you have to do all the program writing, you have to do, you have to do um, nearly everything in the business. And then, you know, it comes down to a Friday and, you know, maybe you ran a little bit late with your client or, you know, maybe you're, you're a little bit tired from the big week that you've had and you've got an hour and a half booked in to look at your finances and go over your finances for the week. Um, and I know for me, I, I used to skip that so much. I used to, yeah. every week would come around, I'd be like, yeah, I'd just make an excuse. And then, um, you know, one of the things that was looking at my money and actually paying attention to it and looking where it was going. And I know there's something that you touch on and it's give every, every dollar a job. Um, do you want to break that down and just kind of talk to the guys a little bit about how important it is to give every dollar a job and what happens if you don't? Yeah, absolutely. Um, give every dollar a job is a principle that we took from, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Jesse Meacham is his name and he wrote a great book called you need a budget. And, um, there are very simple principles in that book. Uh, communicated and, edu- and, uh, and, and, um, uh, yeah, delivered very succinctly in a very smart way. Um, so the idea of give every dollar a job, it, it kind of plays into this, um, Parkinson's law, um, which is basically Parkinson's law is the idea that work expands as to fill the time allotted to it. So I'll give you an example in a PT context. Um, if you've got a week to write your programs for next month, it'll probably take a week, but if you need to get them done before tomorrow, they'll probably get done before tomorrow. Um, and so the, the principle here is when people get paid, that money comes in, it finds jobs whether you want it to or not, because the things come up and you say, Oh, I can, yeah, I could do that. That looks good. That looks good. Um, but whether those things are actually taking you toward your goals or away from your goals, you actually don't have a reference point because you didn't give them a job at the start. There's no trade-off to make. You haven't set those goals um, and then you haven't set a job for those dollars when they've come in. Um, so when we talk about giving a dollar a job, it's actually the basic principle of budgeting. So when you pay, when you get paid, let's say it's 4,000 bucks comes into your account um, at the start of each month. What a lot of people do is say, cool, I've got to make that last for a month. Um, what smart people do is they say, what do I want that $4,000 to do for me? What, how, how does it need to power my life and my lifestyle so that I can get what I want now, but also get what I want later. Um, and I have s- systems and structures that support that decision. Um, you know, so w- we talked about it in the, in the um, 
seminar with your members, uh, we actually went through a banking structure and, and sort of set that out and said, this is how money would flow through it. Um, you know, and the amount, the amounts could change, but the structure supports the, you know, those decisions. Um, so when we talk about giving a dollar a job, what we're talking about is being very intentional with that. Um, it, it, to not give, to not give a dollar a job is a little bit like, um, starting a session with a, with a client, um, and having no plan for that session, just completely winging it all along the way and hoping they get the results in the long run that they, that they're going to get. We know that doesn't fucking work. Yeah. Um, but we tend to do it all the time with our finances. It's, it's, it, it's the same mistake. A hundred percent. And I think like, um, like usually, uh, the, the argument you get is like, Oh, you know, um, it's like the whole freedom thing, right? It's like, you know, there's this, and again, it's like, it's this psychological battle. It's like, oh, you know, it's easier for me to say that I want to have freedom and, you know, I'm not a money person and, and, you mm. know, cause it's mm. easier for me to fall back on the identity that I, mm. or the, the identity that I identify with mm. than to actually take responsibility, go out and, and spend time with um, this unconscious reaction that I'm having mm. when the reality is, is that, and I can, and I know that we both can probably account for this is that true freedom comes when you do have complete control and every dollar has a job. I know right now, like, like with the whole coronavirus, it's like the, the fact that we, I know exactly what my money does. Like every mm. single dollar right now is my best friend. Like today I was mm. able to sit down and I read three quarters of a book um, and did, I wrote two articles and, mm. and that's all I did for today. And I, I consciously mm. made an effort that said, you know what, this is what I want to do today. Mm. Um, and the reason I can do that is because I know that at the end of the week, I don't have certain work that needs to be done. That's going to mm. generate X amount of income. That's going to have to pay my bills. Yep. Um, the, the big takeaway for me is like giving every dollar a job gives me the freedom to do the things that I really, really want to do and do the things that fulfill me the most. Right. Mm. right? And, and you know, if that means today, cause I had a bit of free time, we didn't really have anything scheduled after a big three weeks that I want to sit down and, you know, I read, um, three quarters of mapping cloud and line by Stephen Kotler, um, mm. you know, a book that's been sitting in my, my, um, my audible account for, you know, a good three or four months that I haven't been able to read. And then I wrote a few articles cause I haven't wrote, I haven't been able to write in a very long time. It's like, you know, this is, this is the, this is what every giving every dollar a job can do for you. And, um, you know, I, I think it's such a important thing that I struggled with for such a long time. And the fact is, is that, you know, just dedicating, um, my mind to, to that concept, um, for the last two, two and a half years has, is now put me in a position where I can, you know, I can be myself. I can, I yeah. can do what I want to do. Mm. And it's another false choice, isn't it? It's um, fun or money, freedom or money um, or, or freedom or discipline. And actually this, they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. No. One actually can create the other. Actually one does create the other in every, in every high, high performer, you'll find that discipline precedes freedom. Um, and I know I'm not the first person to say that, but too many people ignore it. Um, and they assume that, you know, one day they're going to win some fucking lottery or, you know, they'll just like put it up on the wall and it'll just one day just drop in their lap. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll just visualize it and it'll happen. Yeah. Visualize it, do it, visualize it, then actually start doing things that will support the vision. Um, yeah. like I see that so much. Yeah. People that are just like, they've got these fantasies where they're like one day, just those dollars are going to drop out of the sky. I'm going to, I mean, they're going to win the money. I'm going to meet someone who's rich. Whatever the story is, doesn't matter. It's always a fantasy. 
Yeah, I think it's such a good point. Like I know, and this, you know what, I like I look back and even when I was a little bit younger, this is probably like three, four years ago when I was started my business journey uh, well, really kind of started my business journey, you know, like really started to get into it. I always used to say, yeah, like I'll probably spend more time on my money when I have the money, you know, like it's like that whole thing is like, you know, once I have this money and once I start earning a bit more then you know, I'll probably put a bit more effort in or, you know, I'll start saving more once I get my business to this point. And mm. you know, the, the reality is, is that, most people, and then sort of, I'm going to come back to the point we started off with is that recognition, right? Is that most people are chasing recognition so hard that the one thing that's actually stopping them from getting recognized is the fact that they can't and don't have the freedom to become the best possible coach or the best at their craft that they can be. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're forced um, by the stress that they're putting themselves under because they don't have that defensive structure in place um, to you know, to, it's almost like you can see it, right? Mm. Like if you can see when somebody's um, over trying or they're, they're, they're doing something for purely the fact of recognition and, and it looks forced and it doesn't look like they're flowing and you can see the intention behind it. Oh, 100% I think, you can see it. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up there, Tez. Um, that was, that was, that, I think like for me, um, this is a topic that I know with our members are going to resonate. Um, it's going to resonate with them hugely. Like I think, you know, the one thing that we can all say is that at some point in time we've had this relationship with money um, and everybody who's kind of overcame that or, or at least kind of got themselves into a better position where they can start to understand money and talk the language um, can say that it's, it's, it's allowed them to find a, a freedom um, to do whatever it is that they want to do, whether that's travel, um, whether that's, um, you know, whatever that is. But I think the thing that um, there's one last thing that I wanted you to touch on before we, we kind of wrap it up. It was talking about, um, almost like the, I forgot what it was, but it's this like, if we, if we're wrapping this up and talking about the life's goal being fulfillment um, and, you know, we're talking about the, the things that money can do for you, right. Where it's connection time. Mm. I need to jump mm. into that a little bit and just explain that. Cause I think that's the one thing, you know, uh, I, I was taking a look at money for a long time. Um, but when you guys presented, um, which was last year, yep. that was something I hadn't looked at internally yet but i think it was something that eventually when i was started to set goals around my money um when i started to look at things like connection mastery um uh, adventure these types of things that it really started to make sense in my head why i needed to really start to to get my money to work for me yeah look we spent a lot of time really trying to understand why people feel bad about money um and trying to help people feel good about it um there are a lot of forces um, and a lot of influences uh, that want you to believe that money is a really dirty, bad thing. Um, but the truth is money is a certificate of appreciation. Um, if somebody pays you, it's because you solved a problem of theirs. Um, and so you shouldn't feel bad for making more money. It means you've solved more problems at a higher level. And whenever you make money, you're not making it so at somebody else's expense because money is just an idea that we made up. The government just printed $3.6 trillion of that made up idea or billion, sorry. Um, and so what we really wanted to do was try to understand and emulate the people in our lives and the people that we've learned from, you know, great mentors we've learned about and, and from through books to try to, I guess, codify the way they've used money to live a rich life. Um, 
because we reason that if you can see money as a mechanism for helping you build a rich life, um, you're going to feel less bad about it. (laughs) Um, And so there are a few things that stood out for us um, and it's basically the manifesto and the philosophy of our program. Um, And it's basically that um, when you spend money, when you, when you value time over money, um, you will be buying back your time. You'll be using money to buy time. So when you invest, that's essentially what you're doing is buying back time. Um, because the truth is time is much more valuable than money. You can always make more money back. You'll never get back one second of your time. Um, so making smart decisions about how you spend your time, who you spend it with, um, is much, much more important, um, than the money side of things. Now, don't mistake me for not, don't, don't, don't misinterpret that and say, don't worry about money. Just focus on time. I'm just saying, put money in its place. Yeah. Um, it's very, very important enabler of the time part of it. Um, but it's got to be a means to the end, which is more control of your time. I know a lot of highly paid people in very high pressure jobs that are completely miserable and make more than most. Um, they're poor in our eyes. Um, whereas someone like yourself, if you can wake up and you can choose what you want to do with your day because you've set yourself up in that way, you're rich. Um, so we're trying to help people understand how to make money work for them instead of having money being this thing that's dangling in front of them. They're just completely chasing all the time, um, with no real knowledge why. Um, so putting time above money is really important. Um, the next one we, we try to focus on is creating memorable experiences over, possessing meaningless things um because we know that experiences will appreciate over time um whereas things will depreciate quite quickly you know you buy a new car it's lost five ten percent of its value within the first three months um Mm. whereas you go on a holiday that expands your mind introduces you to new people um new concepts and you come back a, a very new a very different person you know that is going to help you on a professional level um because you're going to see the world very differently, but also on a personal level throughout your life, you're going to go back and you're going to remember that experience and it's only going to look better over time. (laughs) Um, We look back with rose colored glasses. So invest your money, use your money in a way um, that allows you to have these experiences that appreciate, whereas the things that they depreciate. Um, So these are just trade-offs we're making. Yeah. Um, So we want to be using our money, Right. Basically, when, we, when we're buying time and we're buying experiences, we're using money. When we're um, chasing money um, and buying things, we're spending money. It's a real difference between those two words. I either use money or I spend it. Mm. Um, and then the other two is connections and mastery. So what we're seeing is you spoke about it before, like people's drive to be, rec- our drive to be recognized. You know, it's, it's hardwired in us to seek status. Mm. Um, but status will come at the cost of wealth um, because status is a zero sum game. In order for me to look better, I have to make someone look worse. So I'll make comments like, well, it doesn't matter how rich you are. You can't take that to the grave. Mm. What I'm essentially doing there is saying, I want to pull you off your perch because I want to be higher on my perch than yours. Mm. Um, So when we play that status game, we're essentially playing a game where people have to lose. When you play a wealth game, everyone can win. Um, you're growing the pie for everybody. So we, when we talk about connection, what we're saying is you know, be a good citizen, um, contribute to your community and do it in such a way where people feel good for you and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and are happy for you when you succeed. 
no point getting there at everybody else's expense because it'll be an empty success. Um, so make sure you use your time, your talent, your money to create richer sources of connection in your community. Um, get to know everyone you can. Um, try to help as many people as you can and you will be enriched in more ways than one money just being one of those. And then the last one is use your time to, to, um, cultivate a, a sense and a source of mastery because it's incredibly meaningful, uh, to be very, very good at something to the point where people seek you out for it. Um, people mm-hmm. ask for your help and your advice in it and, um, you know, get to, I guess, reach your potential in that place. Um, I think that's, that's the, that's the highest emotional need that we have, right? It's that self-actualization, you know, like I was listening, this is kind of cool because it, it ties in with the book I'm reading today. And he kind of talked about once you get into this flow state, um, you know, it, it comes from uh, a level of consciousness. Um, but it's, it's driven by this um, need for self-actualization and yep. it's when you, it's when like they, they talk about it and I know that you would have experienced this when you're so honed in on something um, that it, you know, nothing else really matters. And it's kind of like you just, you know, all you're seeing is this time starts to disappear. The self disappears, you know, the ego goes away and it's just you and the, and the book or you and the, the task Whatever. at hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think like, you know, I know that's one of the most important things to me is that, you know, I, I want to create a life where, I'm not forced to do anything and I can sit here and read and, and, and just learn and, and apply my knowledge um, and, and, and allow that to ser- help me serve others on a, on a much higher le- level continuously. Um, yep. But it's, it's funny that you say that because self-actualization is one of the higher emotional needs that um, we all have. Um, and it's what gives our life meaning is that when we can create that stability mm. um, in our life, which is this defense that we're talking about, and I can really start to, to um, drive the ship forward Mm. um with passion and purpose um and and then that's that's really what the the meaning of life is but you don't get to experience that unless you actually can create a a stable environment um where all your other higher emotional needs so to feel love to feel safe your physiological needs um self-esteem as well you actually have to have all those taken care of before you can actually start the journey of self-actualization on the highest level and actually reach uh, flow state, if that makes sense, where you can really chase it, um, yep. and, and continuously over a long period of time. So yeah. it's really interesting you say that. Yeah. Well, you know, skill compounds, skills, something that builds on itself and you layers and layers and layers. So it's actually easy for you over time. Um, it's, it's harder in terms of effort, but, um, that compounding is a thing that that's really important. Um, you know, cause the choice is you're either, you're either approaching and you're using your money in a way that, um, creates a level of systematic mastery, very deliberate sort of practice type approach or opportunistic mediocrity. Are you someone who's jumping from trend to trend? Um, you're trying to find the next big thing cause you're grabbing at the idea of, you know, success or money. Um, you know, most people treat money like it's a, um, like they, it's like, it's something that should be hunted. Like you can, you got to catch it. Like it's elusive. You know what I mean? And, and they, they go through their life like that. Um, and I think it's MJ DeMarco uses this analogy. I think it's a great one. And he's like, you know, most people are like trying to chase money like it's a cat down, like down these dark alleyways and, and trap it. And um, whereas what you should do is you just got to think about how to attract money. And, and that's, um, you know, you want to be sitting in, sitting, you know, cracking some tuna, putting it out for the cat and, and just drawing it in. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's a great analogy because it, it really does explain how a lot of 
people misunderstand the nature of money. Um, like I said, money is a certificate of appreciation. You've served somebody, you've solved their problem. Yeah. Um, mm. Whereas a lot of people are they're not thinking like that. They're thinking about themselves. And this is what is ironic about the whole money situation. The more I've learned about it, the deeper I've gone into it. Actually, um, it's the most selfless people who have contributed the most that are the best off. And I know that's going to challenge a lot of people's conditioning, um, but I would, uh, encourage you to sit with that discomfort and then h- try and hold this idea in your mind and try to find some concerning, confirming evidence because I'm sure you'll find it's the case. Um, the people that uh, have been more productive and have produced more um, for the planet and have given more than they've got, um, they're the people that usually end up with more um, because they're net producers. So you'll know if you're a net producer, if you collect rent, you receive interest instead of paying it. Um, you get dividends. Um, you create content instead of scrolling social media, consuming it. You buy, uh, you build brands instead of buying them. All of these things actually point to the same idea, which is basically, you know, if you want a wealthy life, then create wealth for the world. Um, and, and that's really what it is. That's awesome. That's a good way to finish it, Tez. Um, I want to say a big thanks for coming on, man. Um, uh, we finally got it done. Um, I know <laughs> the guys are going to really going to enjoy the episode. And um, I know I, I've been excited for a long time to get you on because I think you've got a, a lot of value to offer, um, especially in this in this kind of realm. Um, what I'll get you to do, man, is because um, you've got a really great podcast yourself and, and that's what this is one that I highly recommend, guys. Um, I haven't really heard many like it, um, especially the way you guys deliver it. Um give the podcast a plug and also give your, um, your business a plug as well. Cause I know you're doing some really, really great things with this topic. Thanks mate. Yeah. Um, it's been a pleasure for me, for me to come on. Sorry. It's taken so long. Um, uh, yeah. So, so the podcast, our podcast is called the passive income project. Um, and we've wrapped up season one, uh, um, maybe a month or so ago and we designed season one very intentionally to be less of a podcast and more of a course. Mm. Um, so if you're the kind of person that's motivated now to dig into this and you want to go from A to B and you want to get from a level of understanding where you're at to a level of understanding, um, where you want to be, um, you know, season one is basically built for you. It's a, it, it builds on itself. Um, and it's something that we spent a lot of time really putting together. Um, so yeah, check, I encourage you to check that out. Um, if you do subscribe to the podcast, so you see when we, when we bring out new episodes, um, our business is called Cashflow Dojo. Um, and that's where we help people figure out how to apply these skills and build them as habits, um, put them as in as routines and rituals in their lives and, and, and sort of benefit from that over time. And we also then educate all the way along, um, to help people understand how, investing works and how to build their, um, build their value for the world as well. Um, so if you go to cashflowdojo.com, you'll see, um, you know, our main sort of, I guess our flagship offering is a 12 week money mentorship. And if you're the kind of person that's listened through to the end of this and you really want to take action, you know, a bit of an Easter egg for you. <laughs> um, you know, mention if you mention this episode and you want to, and you want to do business with us, um, we'll give you a 20% discount for the next two months. Um, awesome so, guys. Yeah, and that's valid from whenever you publish this podcast. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, I think it's like I think it's um you know as I said, I've wanted to get you on because I think this this will all, uh, this this podcast alone will offer a lot of value to people, and I think what you guys are doing is is giving people a chance to change their trajectory. And um, I know you've you know even when we get you to present to our guys, you know it helps a lot, and uh, I learn a little bit you know a, a lot too, um uh, and, and get to apply it myself. So. Um, big thanks for jumping on Tez and um, 
Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks, mate.